Anyway, also extend my welcome to you. As Philip said, this is such a special retreat on our side that we get to, to share the week of teaching with good and dear Dharma friends who have... Um, I'd hate to actually add up how many years of practice we have between us. It would be perhaps a little... Embarrassing. Embarrassing. I don't know if that's the word. I was, but long, I would say. And we are all here as teachers because we value this practice, because it's been so powerful for our own deepening and growth and understanding in Dharma. So we bring to this retreat our love, you could even say our passion for this particular practice, the practice of cultivating concentration. And for you, it's a special retreat, or I shouldn't say for you, it is a special retreat because of this clarity of intention. Presumably you read the description. <laughs> Presumably, we've had people come, you know, she, we had one woman, I remember she thought she was coming to a women's retreat. Well, I, no. <laughs> and she loved it so much she came back every year. I don't know who that person, I forget her name. Maybe she's still coming, I don't know. But So... I often feel like, you know, when you get on the plane, that they say, this is the plane to New York. If you're not going to New York, <laughs> this is the retreat that's heading towards, as we keep, we'll keep saying, unifying and collecting the mind, concentration, the simple term. And so we're all here with that shared intention, that shared value. And there's something about the field that gets created by that clarity of intention that becomes palpable. Part of it is already in the field. So many of you have done so many retreats and have been to Spirit Rock many times. And and that brings an energy and and kind of a wave-like motion that helps support us. But even if you're relatively new to the practice, we're all bringing that clarity of intention that's that's going to be so powerful as, as we continue. And we call this the concentration retreat. We don't call it the jhana retreat. And we'll talk more about jhanas. Jhanas are deep states of absorption. um, And we'll talk more about uh, what that means. But the Pali word that we're translating here is samadhi. Um, And we usually use this English word concentration to translate it. It's not a great translation because when in English we think about concentration, there's usually a narrowing of focus and even a tightening of focus and a certainly an attitude of don't disturb me, I'm concentrating. I'm concentrating on this and everything else is a distraction. This is not the meaning that's conveyed by this Pali word samadhi. Um, it, uh, better translations are more like collected or unified or non-distracted. And so that's what we're talking about when we use the word samadhi and when we use the English word concentration. So a kind of settling into the moment, not tightening around it or narrowing. We can have a concentrated mind that's vast and expansive, that's inclusive of everything, but it's not wavering, it's not distracted. I've actually thought we should change the the title of this retreat. We didn't want to call it a jhana retreat, so we called it a concentration retreat. I actually think we should call it the relaxation retreat. Mm because you will hear us invite and encourage you to relax the mind and the body over and over again. 
was this quality of relaxation, of calming and softening, is so important, essential really, for the work that we'll be undergoing here. And the Buddha says that the person who is at ease will be naturally concentrated. And perhaps you get a sense of that when you're really feeling at ease, you're calm, there's nothing too agitating. The mind has this kind of quality. So again and again, you'll hear us start every meditation instruction. Relax, soften, open, allow. Because what we see so quickly, and perhaps you know this already, you can't force concentration. You cannot succeed in this practice by sheer mental effort. I'll tell you this right here at 8.30 on the first night. We'll repeat it many times, and virtually everyone here, I guarantee, will still try. (laughs) We all have to find out for ourselves how painful and ultimately unsuccessful that is, because it's the only way we know. If someone tells us to do something, the mind, what is it? It gloms onto it, and it tries to figure it out and force that experience. And it doesn't work. It might work for a little bit, and that's where we get into trouble, because it's kind of working, or we're getting so far with the concentration, but it can't sustain itself. So relaxing, calming, easing. Again, some of the things I'm saying tonight will be themes that we'll take up and go into more deeply in the retreat. The proximate cause for concentration is not effort, is not striving, is not will. It's sukha. And sukha we usually translate as contentment. Happy, happy contentment of mind and body, one teacher says. This is the proximate cause. And we'll talk more, as I said, about this, about inviting this quality as we steady and deepen. But another two qualities we'll also talk about over and over again are what I call the engines or the foundation of this practice and really any meditation practice that we do. And these are the Pali terms, the jhana factors of vitaka and vichara. Usually we translate these as aiming, as in aiming our attention towards a particular facet of experience and sustaining it, staying with that, in a, in a momentary way, but enough that we really know it. So aiming and sustaining. But I was just listening to a talk by a teacher of mine, Ajahn Suchito, where he used the terms for these two, bringing to mind and bearing in mind. And I really like that because actually Vitaka and Vichara have a, a, a relationship to our thinking mind. Literally, the, um, uh, the literal translations are um, directed thought and evaluating thought. So it's interesting that we're using that capacity of the mind, but what we're doing is not thinking in the way we usually do, but orienting to this experience of the breath in this case. So bringing to mind, that's our mindfulness practice. Bringing to mind, arousing mindfulness. Bearing in mind, that's the sustaining part, That's what deepens the concentration. So these are the engines of our practice that we'll do with every breath. Connect with the breath, sustain the attention. Breath at a time. 
It's not connect and sustain from the beginning of the retreat to the end or even the beginning of a sitting to the end. But moment to moment, this is the engine of our practice. Tanasaro Bhikkhu, who also teaches a lot about concentration, talks about thinking about the breath. So using this, these terms, Vitaka Vichara, thinking about the breath, and again, not in our usual conceptual way, but really encouraging us to develop a relationship with the breath where we're a little curious about it, and to invite us into a relaxed, easy, comfortable relationship with the breath. And even that the breath itself should be relaxed, easy, and comfortable. So we need to bring the breath to mind, bear it in mind, start to know and understand, become intimate with the breath. This is, these, this is the engine of our practice here, vitaka and vichara. I'm sure unless you've been living under a rock, you've noticed that we're, is it today? The Olympics are ending, two weeks of these intense athletic competitions down in, in Rio, uh, down in um, Brazil. If we put the same amount of focus into our meditation practice that those athletes had put into their lifetime of training to get to where they are, we'd all be enlightened by now, I'm sure of it. I mean, the amount of intention, hours, years of training to hone those skills, it's quite amazing. But what we see about that kind of training doesn't necessarily improve character right? Doesn't necessarily improve quality of mind. It can do, but it doesn't necessarily. And it's all about competition. It's all about effort and striving and who's best. And what's best? First is best. Gold is best. If you're silver or second, it's like, oh, well, if you're third, eh. If you're fourth, you don't even get a mention, right? It's even though you're fourth best in the world. And you may have become first by winning by one one-hundredth or something of a second. And still there's all of that focus. You know, number one, first. This is not what we're doing here. It's not a competition. It's not, as I said, about striving. What we're doing here is using the mind and our intention to train the mind itself. Not to train the body to superb feats of athleticism, but actually train and understand the mind itself. This is a radical shift from what the athletes have been doing in the Olympics. And we do that for our own well-being and benefit and for the benefit of others, those we know and those we don't know. We do this training because it's beneficial. Our athletic training is just to be able to sit relatively still, relatively comfortably, and relax and be with the breath. Compared to what the athletes in Rio have been doing, it should seem like a walk in the park, right? A piece of cake. It's hard to do, as you will find out. To just sit still, be comfortable, and collect and unify the mind around the breath. But that is our practice here. 
And I, I heard a teacher say this the other day, and I can't remember who it was, so I can't attribute it, but I talked about training the mind to understand the mind, or sorry, using the mind to train the mind. Unfortunately, we're using a rather imperfect instrument to do the training, right? These minds are pretty unruly, unless you've already got a very trained mind. Maybe you have, but for most of us, this mind is pretty unreliable, pretty unruly, pretty chaotic a lot of the time. So we're using an imperfect tool to do this training. And so we have to bring a lot of compassion, patience, and kindness to this work. This is also essential. And those qualities are essential as we relate to ourselves. They're also essential as we relate to the others on the retreat. So we share this field of practice. We're going to knock into each other. In the walking meditation, in the bathrooms, in our dorms, in the dining room to bring quality of kindness, acceptance, and patience is so important. And again, we'll talk more about this. Judgment, harshness, and striving, not helpful. Not helpful at all. But as we do this training, the benefits can be huge. The Buddha said something like, never underestimate the power of a concentrated mind. He also said in the Dhammapada, the first verse of the Dhammapada, the collected sort of poetic discourses, mind is the forerunner of all things. Basically, with our minds, we create the world. And the Buddha said, a trained mind is better for you than your best friend, and an untrained mind worse than your worst enemy. So we're training the mind here, not just to be good breathers, but to actually deepen into a state of clarity and penetration that can be potentially liberating. That's our work here. And on this retreat, as I've said, we're cultivating samadhi, the collected and unified mind. Usually most retreats here at Spirit Rock are vipassana or insight retreats where the intention and aim is to see clearly. That's a literal translation of vipassana to see clearly into the nature of things, the reality. But even on those retreats, we're always deepening some level of concentration. Some level of concentration is necessary for any meditation practice, but certainly for vipassana. But here, instead of the emphasis being on noticing changing nature, noticing what we call the three characteristics of impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and not-self, we're practicing samatha, tranquility meditation, where we take a simple object, in this case, mainly the breath. We'll talk about other options as well. And we'll also be practicing with metta, loving kindness, the Brahma Vihara, because that's also a concentration practice. We'll be introducing that as well. But we'll mainly be talking about using the breath to develop this calm abiding that samatha practice Brings. And there's, sometimes we'll use samatha and samadhi a little synonymously. They're pointing to the same thing. But samatha is the practice. Samadhi is the result. So this is what we'll be doing here. Some teachers don't see uh, samatha or samadhi practice as separate from vipassana practice. They really see it as one vehicle. And I think that's, there's some 
um, the validity to that view, but I actually think it's helpful to see them on a spectrum. And it's kind of like we have a slider bar. And sometimes we can slide it more towards inside investigation, changing objects, the full range of experience. And sometimes, and this is what we'll be doing it on this retreat, we slide towards simplicity. We slide towards being really still and simple in our meditation. And other things are going on, but we keep saying, no, just this. Just this breath. Just this moment. Just this stillness. So that's a helpful way to see how we do this practice. And not that one is better than the other, but what we really hope you gain from this retreat is kind of knowing where your slider bar is and how to, with skill and wisdom, move it more in one direction or another. So there's a clarity and an intention in the practice and what we're doing and what we're cultivating. Sometimes we need more engagement and aliveness and there's curiosity and a lot happening. And other times, how to skillfully really simplify and quieten. This is the heart of what we'll be doing here. And so emphasizing this, as I said, collecting and unifying the mind. We're not, we don't advertise this as a jhana retreat. We're not promising jhana, these states of absorption. We'll talk about them. But this is a relatively short length of time to, do, to deepen in this kind of practice, especially to deepen towards jhana. But everyone here can gain more clarity about the skill sets to move this slider bar and can deepen in concentration. We all can, and I'm sure we all will, because it's so valuable, and this power of intention that we do here will bring, um, bring us in this direction. So even though there are many practices we could choose to do um, as the focus of this retreat, there's a, um, a, a great book of instruction called the Vasudhimaga, the Path of Purification, collected by and written by uh, Acharya Buddha Gosa in the, about the, the 5th century, said there's 40 different practices for meditation. You can use the Brahma Viharas of loving kindness or compassion, joy and equanimity. You can use the breath in different ways. You can use mantras or visualizations or kasina practice, death contemplations, body contemplations. We choose mainly this simple one of the breath because it's the unifying field amongst us. We're all breathing. We're all sitting here and breathing. Um, And we'll talk about different ways to connect with the breath and each of us finding the way where the mind can easily relax into and make this connection. And again, at different times, the breath won't work so well for you during the retreat or perhaps in in a bigger way. And we'll talk about those options as well. But we'll keep coming back to this simplicity of instruction. So we'll be repeating ourselves a lot. We'll be saying the same things over and over again. This is part of the simplicity of the practice. Relax, soften, come into stillness. Let the mind rest in this moment with this direct experience. And a lot saying, not now to everything else, to thoughts, to distractions, to even other sensations of the body. 
Again, this is the, the tool. But even as I talk about this tonight, as we will talk more about this practice, we always have to remember that the goal of this practice is not to get concentrated. The goal is not to become good breathers. The goal is to unify the heart and mind to bring clarity and wisdom so insight can lead to awakening. That's our goal. And we always have to hold this practice in, that, in the service of that. Hold the big picture. Because we can get, as I said earlier, tight and narrow, holding on to the breath. How many breaths? How long with the breath? What kind of breath? Soften, relax, open. But to also emphasize how valuable collecting and unifying the mind is in the service of that goal in the service of that intention, in the service of that unfolding of practice. I really see concentration is kind of like the wind in your sails. If you can harness that wind, your boat will move with speed in the direction of the goal of the path. And through this practice, the mind becomes what the Buddha said repeatedly in the text, malleable, Steady and wieldy. Love these terms. This mind becomes an ally. This mind becomes a tool. And there are great benefits to this practice that all of us will experience during this retreat. So it both is this momentum that moves us forward. It's also what grounds and steadies us. It's also an anchor that deepens and stills. Another of the many paradoxes in our path of practice and can lead us to the ultimate stillness where there's a complete and deep letting go. And I want to finish tonight with these words of the Buddha speaking to a deva about his practice because it speaks to the conundrum of the wind in your sails and the anchor that steadies. The deva is basically asking, how were you successful in your practice? How did you come to full and free awakening? And the Buddha says, answers by saying, I crossed over the flood, and the flood is this world of dukkha, samsara that we live in. I crossed over the flood without pushing forward, but without staying in place. But how, dear sir, did you cross over the flood without pushing forward? and without staying in place. What's a third option there? The Buddha said, when I pushed forward, I whirled about. When I stayed in place, I sank. And so I crossed over the flood without pushing forward, but without staying in place. This is pointing to some way of being in our hearts, in our minds, where there's full presence, the mind and heart are collected and unified, but there's not pushing and there's also not rigidity sinking. This is the promise and the potential of this practice and where this path ultimately leads.
So, an overview of our journey, these 10 days together, all of these themes we'll be touching on again in our practice, in our talks and instructions, and really look forward to sharing this week, 10 days with you. So blessings on your path and practice. And we're all going to speak tonight, so now I'm turning to Pat. And you should have a mic. Yeah. yeah you have. Okay. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.